Hi, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. This new thinking podcast is focused on policing and the ideas of community building and police legitimacy. On the phone with me today is Michael Davis, the Chief of Police of Brooklyn Park, which, with about 80,000 people, is the second largest suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Chief Davis was recognized earlier this year by the Police Executive Research Forum as an up-and-coming innovator. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me, Chief Davis. Thank you. Let's start with community building. You said at a National Institute of Justice conference in 2011, community building is the next generation of community policing. And I think many listeners might be somewhat familiar with the idea of community policing, but what is community building? Well, in the context that I speak of, it, community building is more relying upon the assets of a community, more so than trying to fix the problem. Now, for those who know community policing, they'll know that at the core of it is this problem-oriented policing model by which if you rectify low-level problems, this is the theory, that you prevent larger level of crime and disorder. Well, the problem with that is that there's limitations to problem fixing, and there really is no limitations to building upon assets. And so if you want to change this place, want to make this place better than what it is currently, it really is about leveraging all the assets that exist within a community, not simply fixing the problems. And so this gets away from the transactional model and more towards a model that is built on the understanding that of three things. One is, is that we're a community that has abundant assets. The second thing is we know to make those to activate those assets, we must have strong relational ties. And thirdly, these relational ties aren't serendipitous. We have to go out and intentionally connect with one another, which is why I think it, it, it's a shift in focus, not necessarily a new iteration of community policing, but more a new way of looking at our role in community. So you're saying that instead, perhaps, of saying, oh, there's a problem in this neighborhood around drug sales, are you saying think larger than that? Let's look at the whole community and how can we strengthen connections within the community so that anything, any challenges that may arise, it would be in a better position to deal with? Absolutely. If you look at what the community is meant to accomplish, the community, a competent community is one that supports the family in accomplishing its mission. So the larger structure supports the smaller structure, the family, in accomplishing its mission. When that breaks down and we rely exclusively on services like the police to do what the community is supposed to do, then the impact of what the police can do alone is obviously severely limited. And so we have to re-engage the community and get them to see what their role actually is, which is right to, to take ownership, to be accountable to one another. Um, and, that, and in that process, we are creating a competent community. I mean, this is not an abdication of our role to, to pluck out the deviance of society, but this is thinking bigger than that. The philosophy of community policing, hasn't it in some ways tried to promote that? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, community policing purists will say that, you know, this is what the essence of community policing is. I disagree. And I disagree because that's what's happening. This is not what's happening in our communities. You're talking about communities that have been trying different iterations of community policing for 30 years, yet the conditions of their communities remain unchanged. People point to this dip in crime, so to speak, that that we've been experiencing throughout the country. And in some cities, it's reversing itself. And no one can explain it. And so my focus really is on really understanding what makes a community successful. And it's not the most robust police department. What we do know is that there is a condition in in the most challenged neighborhoods that needs to be reversed. There's a condition of isolation. There's a condition of fear. There's a condition of dependency. 
We know that when we study any successful community. Right? People reminisce all the time about the small town. Well, in small town America, typically there's a dart of what we call municipal services that can do things the community can't. And so they're forced to rely on one another. Probably the most common occurrence and where this transaction takes place between one another, where interdependency is, is developed, is in the local cafe. Every morning, folks get together, and it's not about bacon and eggs. They have those things at home. It's about being able to talk about what's going on amongst this social group, what problems they have, and how they're going to work together to solve those things. It sounds like almost the work of either a cafe owner who can bring people together around breakfast or a social worker who understands how to bridge cultural or societal or class differences. How do the police help bridge that divide and build that social capital? Well, first of all, we, can, we inculcate it to every aspect of our service model. We become conveners. We become facilitators. If a community meeting look, looks like you walk into a classroom where everyone's staring at the back of one another's heads, looking to the front of the classroom, waiting for someone to rain down wisdom, okay, that's not going to build community. But if you put people in small groups, you bring people together, you have them talk about assets, you set the ground rules, and you have them communicate. And then you carry out that methodology through every type of community contact to begin to build fabric. And have you been able to bring people together in, in this way around Brooklyn Park? Absolutely. I mean, we started out in earnest really three years ago with our community cafe, which is a methodology of bringing people together in small groups, talk about what they want the intended future of a community to be like. And from that, we developed a model, a structure by which people can become engaged. And, and from that, we have begun to infuse this methodology into every aspect of how we interact with community. So police officers are not only rated on how well they go out there and perform the perfunctory tasks of policing, but they're also rated on how well they go out and engage the community, not just the police with the community, but also the community with one another. And how do you measure if your officers have been successful? Well, there's a couple of different methodologies. Obviously, that there are, there are proven methodologies by which you go out and you and you ask folks about the level of connectivity, level of commitment. Obviously, there's the anecdotal success. And you hold these community cafes. Your officers uh, arrange them or on a regular basis. Not only officers, but other city staff. It has now become a framework by which we vet through a whole host of issues, from how to deal with. The, the relational conditions to whether or not we want to organize garbage hauling. And you bring food or the citizens, people, community members bring food? Yeah, food is key, right? Especially in a diverse community like ours. We are 25% foreign-born here, right? And one of the things we know, one of the universal languages of hospitality is food. Let's talk about police legitimacy, and uh, clearly there seems to be a connection. How does it tie into the idea of community building, tie into police legitimacy, and, and how are you trying to advance police credibility in the city of Brooklyn Park? Well, in terms of our ability to influence people, and where we're leading, this is a leadership role that we're taking on as police department. Us being viewed as a legitimate government entity is absolutely critical. And what we know through research is not the outcomes we're talking about. It's not whether or not someone gets a ticket or someone gets arrested. It's the process of administering law enforcement services that decides whether or not people feel legitimate or not about the treatment. That's like the concept of procedural fairness or procedural justice. Absolutely, absolutely. The two are inextricably linked. Legitimacy is the outcome. Procedural justice is the methodology. What we know is that effective policing doesn't have to be brash or harsh. You can do it with a sense of, a sense of empathy and understanding and give voice to people you come in contact with. And you do that by making sure that you're creating a culture within an organization that reflects the service you intend 
as you intend for people to deliver outside the organization. You create a microcosm of what you want to be expressed in the community. And so if you want police officers to be community builders, you make sure that you have that type of framework within the organization. And you say that we encourage collaboration. And in this place, this organization is yours, not mine. Just because I'm chief doesn't mean I own it. I've been talking with Michael Davis, the chief of police of Brooklyn Park, which is a suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Thanks so much, Chief Davis, for taking the time to talk about police legitimacy and community building. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. And I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. This has been one of our New Thinking podcasts. To listen to other podcasts, you can visit our website, at www.courtinnovation.org, and you can also listen to us on iTunes. Thanks for listening.